Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the PBSE Podcast. I'm Steve Moore. This is Mark Kassman. It's good to be with you guys today. This is episode 136. Uh, and uh, before we launch into the title, I just want to take two seconds and say, uh, you know, how happy and excited we are, as always, to be with you this week. We, uh, we neglected to, to mention it, I believe, the other week. We just hit a quarter of a million downloads. Oh, yeah, our, I know. Wow. On our podcast. We completely forgot to say something crazy. And uh, just are tremendously grateful for all all of your listens, all of your shares, you sharing this uh, podcast with family and friends. Uh, as you know, we keep this thing non-monetized. We want you to be able to, you know, get help as easily as possible, have it accessible, um, and uh, just really appreciate all your patronage. And it's really gratifying to know that uh, we're reaching so many people. I think we're up to now 160 some odd countries where we're having listens in, which is which is great. Um, and, uh, we, we really do love and just appreciate you guys. So anyway, enough of the sappiness. We'll jump into the uh, podcast today, <laughs> but as I was saying, episode 136, we, we had a, a listener write in, uh, with a really great topic and it led to a really good discussion between Mark and I about something we don't always cover outside of our, uh, sometimes more nuanced discussions like this do not occur much outside of our, uh, you know, dare to connect program because of the, you know, the shortness of our podcasts. Uh, as many of you know, we do have a program uh, called Dare to Connect. We meet three times a week with addicts, spouses, and couples. We'd love to have you guys come join us over there. You can grab a free two-week trial on that at uh, daretoconnectnow.com. We would love to have you join us. Uh, but we we thought we'd try to take, which is really hard to do, one of these more nuanced discussions that we oftentimes have there and bring it to the podcast based on what this listener submitted. So I'll go ahead and read this submission and we'll jump right in because it is a a, a good a good one to hit. Oh, his, this is a... a a uh, wife of a wife of an addict um, that we're we're talking to here. I recently discovered my husband hired a prostitute for himself while away on business. Since this discovery, it's come out that my husband was viewing porn and visiting massage parlors with with regularity. My question, as we are only about a month into this process, is how do you know if your spouse has a sex addiction versus poor morals and or lack of respect for the relationship? Our recovery team, our, our therapy team, so it sounds as though they've got a couple of therapists, which is excellent, by the way, 
uh, strongly commend you for that, each of you having one, is calling these issues sex addiction. But the people I trust most in my life question if its behaviors are truly addictive versus uh, versus simply behavioral. I'm confused. Mm. Great topic. It is a great topic. So yeah, as we kind of yeah, and one you know one of the things that comes up a lot we've we've had people write in about this and people make comments and it's understandable. You know, with the work that we do, there is a there is a big amount of focus on addiction, sex addiction, Absolutely. porn addiction. And if we're not careful, it can seem like, you know, all roads lead to addiction, right? All behaviors yes. are addictive. Everybody's an addict. And that's not true. <clears throat> yes, addiction is a part of this a lot of the time. And, and sometimes we also, you know, have some comments like, you know, it seems like you guys maybe come down pretty heavy on addicts a lot. Mm, like you sure. tend to err on the side of the partner or the spouse, which we, which we do. We have, you know, our hearts have great compassion uh, for spouses and partners of addicts because, you know, we put our, our wives through a lot of pretty hellish stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we tend, of course we tend to err on that side, but we have an enormous amount of compassion for those of you suffering with addiction or, you know, obsessive compulsive behaviors or, you know, unwanted behaviors, we can absolutely relate to you because we ourselves were stuck and completely and utterly shackled to that for decades. Yeah. yeah. So this is a good topic today to, you know, to let everybody know that there's a lot more to this story than, than sometimes is talked about. Yeah. I want to get absolutely. into the nuances of this today. Well, I think a big piece of, you know, you were, you were talking about the nuances of this. And I think I'd add to that also just the complexity oh my right, gosh, that, that so surrounds true. these behaviors. It's, it, you know, our, 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 we're all human and our brains want to put things in boxes. It's just kind of natural human nature. Mm -hmm. right? we, the brain wants to make sense of things. And so very easily it's, it's not uncommon. I have worked with many, Mark and I have both worked with between the two of us easily thousands of spouses over the years. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all too easy for a spouse or even the addict to fall into a place of saying that any sort of maladaptive behavior, right, that comes up during the recovery process or any sort of, you know, something that we would consider less desirable or unwanted must be linked to quote unquote addict behavior, mm -hmm. right? It's very easy to kind of just generalize and put that all in one box or this must be your addict quote unquote coming out. Yeah, and everything can be a, everything can be explained by the fact that this is an addiction. All right? roads lead all to roads addiction. lead to addiction. Yeah, and and yeah. and again, there 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 oftentimes there is at least an element of truth to that, right? Because the tendrils of addiction do run deep for those of us who struggle with it, and it does have its hand in the pot, so to speak, right? In many, if not all, of those things to some degree. But by oftentimes just galvanizing all behaviors under that label, it becomes really easy to lose sight of the nuances that uh, that lie underneath, which in turn can really complicate treatment yes. and, and, and the process of finding healing, not just for individuals, but for the coupleship as well. Yeah, if we're not careful, we can, we can pull out our addiction stamp and just stamp this, you know, whatever's going on as addiction. And lose sight of the fact that there are always underlying core causes, underlying core drivers. There's always a history involved yes. as to how this, you know, quote, addiction comes about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to kind of break this down. This was a great submission to work on this with because it is so short, which is not bad, by the way. We really appreciate the, the listener sending this in. 
but it, it kind of set the stage for us, you know, throwing out what we're going to talk about today because making sure, especially with you guys having a therapy team at your disposal, which again, we just can't applaud enough, mm. is it ma- makes the examination of this that much, I guess, easier and more effective. Mm. Um, but making sure that you're considering all of the options, you know, when you when you're talking to the you know, your therapist and they're doing the work with you. We have no idea if they specialize in sex addiction or if they're more generalized therapists or or, or what their background is. But here are some things for you uh, who wrote in, but also for all of us listening to be considering as you're going through this process for addicts, for spouses, for everyone, because we want to make sure we're getting a whole picture. And just to be really clear, we want to make sure that this examining these other possibilities does not in any way, no matter what the behaviors are, okay, involved or what your backstory is so let's just speak to the addicts right out the gate there is no such thing as excuses for behavior okay mark and i operate i mark's kind of adopted a phrase i think in our in our work together i that i use a lot it's you know there are no excuses in this process but there are definitely reasons right for what we do and those are different yeah reasons explanations absolutely because let's be clear what are we really about Yes, we're about identifying, for example, an addiction. We are about owning our past behaviors and the destruction that they have caused, right? We're about all those things, but at the end of the day, we're really about healing and yes. recovery and, and you know, rewiring my brain, moving on to have a wonderful life and a connected relationship. We're about getting, you know, getting to how to heal and solve and move forward with this. And so always keep in mind what that end goal is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to this, to this uh, subscribe or uh, this listener's initial question, right? Is this uh, just a, a sex addiction versus poor moral slash slash lack of respect? The reality is it could be both and along with a whole lot more, which we're going to yeah. talk about here in just a second. Right. Um, so just kind of keeping in mind open to that. Just we want to preface by what we're going to say next by not saying let's just find reasons because at the end of the day, whether any of what we talk about today is true or not, it does not diminish accountability, right? At the end of the day, regardless of my past or my mental health conditions or whatever, the onus still falls on me to change my behavior and to find resources to access to, to better my situation. We want everybody to be able to walk away today, not with diminished accountability, but just with a better understanding and a new way of looking at this so that you can get better quicker by really getting to the root of this stuff. So um, as we kind of just jump into this, I, I guess we'll we'll kind of just look at some of these things here, right? Uh, it was interesting that this uh, listener, you know, they said, is it versus, are there poor morals or a lack of respect present? Again, those could be present, but uh, we want to walk through some potential other alternatives. There could be also a lack of understanding, knowledge base, or actual skill sets. Right. Well, and, and a lot of times, Steve, we'll, we will, uh, people will tend to park, you know, immoralities, you know, this person lacks morals. Yes. Well, what does that mean? What that could mean, for example, in my case, and a lot of guys I work with, I wasn't taught the proper skills. I wasn't taught respect for women. In mm. fact, I had a lot of male mm. models in my life were exactly the opposite. And I've worked with a lot of clients, for example, that at a very young age, they had fathers or older brothers or uncles or cousins or whomever that introduced them to a lot of these behaviors. Yes. Took them off to a strip club or a massage parlor or hook them up with their first prostitute or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And so, it, so where does the lack of morals or values come from? Often because it, it was modeled to them, you know, this, this concept of disrespect or, or destructful behaviors or engagements with the opposite sex. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just saying, oh, it's just lack of morals. Well, what is that? Yeah. And so let's kind of break that down, right? First thing that you want to look at, and again, this is a great, great example because we just know very little about this couple's background. What is the history in relationships, right? Specifically, what are his history with relationships or with attachment? Not just not just romantically, although that's a big piece, but just in general. I uh I think of uh I think of clients that I've worked with in the past where on the surface Often, you know, it, one, I can think of a couple of cases in particular where on the surface, it did look like very much a lack of just respect. But mm-hmm. as we, you know, start working on the case and we went deeper, kind of indicating to Mark's point, right? There was a true, this, this, the, these guys that I've worked with, even as late into their, you know, their thirties or forties, the relationship that they're involved in now is their first romantically attached relationship ever, mm-hmm. right? And they also come further, they come from a background kind of like what Mark said of never having attachment modeled in a healthy way, right? They didn't have influential figures, for example, like a male father figure, right? Showing like, hey, this is how you treat a woman. This is how you engage with, you know, a partner. They never, they never saw at home, you know, how a spouse and a, you know, I was really privileged when I grew up. I, one thing that I remember about my dad and my mom before my dad died at a pretty early age and you know suddenly was that when he would come home like clockwork before he would come spend time with us kids and he loved spending time with us kids my dad was kind of the more nurture in in the in the house but he always made a point whether he meant to or not he went to mom first when he walked in the door every single day and would ask her how her day was would take a couple minutes with her and he'd always give her a kiss and then he would go get undressed and get in casual clothes and spend time with us and all those mm-hmm. other things that he liked to do. But he always did that. And whether it was intentional or not, that had a tremendous impression on me. Right. And so many of the guys that we work with, little things like that that are demonstrated over a long period of time, those are missing. Nobody was there to model that or show that or say, this is how you do it or right, whatever the case may be. Well, and then think of all the other influences, right? The yeah. media influences and pornography influences. Yes. What kind of relationships were they involved with with regard to dating when they were in their teens or the young adult years? Absolutely. So who was there to say this is the, these are the healthy boundaries? This is how you treat someone with respect with regard to these issues. Yeah. A lot of people didn't have any of that. And again, again, we're we're going to keep saying this this whole podcast. That <laughs> is not an excuse. Nope. If I didn't know how to treat others in the past, I can, I am accountable and can learn how to do so now. Correct. And need to, that is my responsibility, Absolutely, right? It's my responsibility to do it. Now that I know that that wasn't right, I'm going to now do what it takes to go forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So understanding what attachment styles, right? Happen between a parent and a child and other adults, other friends, other, right? What did that look like? Um, and understanding that, again, not just gives context for the relationship's sake and for the healing process, but also is going to help you really identify, okay, what's really wrong here, right? So that we can therefore work on it, change it, fix it, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Because again, we've, Mark and I have both worked with guys. I'm thinking about a couple right now in my mind who come to my office and something like this has happened. And they are truly, again, it's not that they're 
not accountable, but they are desperate. I will do anything to change, right? I want to change. And she's, you know, and she is livid and furious and understandably so, but he's coming from a place of, you know, again, this wasn't okay. And I, I see that now and I want to make amends. I want to change, but I, but can you, I've had guys actually tell me, can you teach me how to date my wife? Yes. Right. Can you, can you teach me how to train? And that's a really vulnerable thing for a guy to say, but like, can you teach me how to, how to be a good husband? I don't think I am, but I honestly don't know. No. And right? I love that. It's such a place that, that vulnerable, transparent, you know, authentic place. That was a really important milestone in my own recovery. I finally had to go to my wife and say, you know what, sweetheart, I don't know how to be intimate in a healthy way. Can mm-hmm. you show me? Yes. I, I don't, I don't have these skills because the stuff that was modeled to me was really dysfunctional. Yes. Frankly, I'm tired of acting this way. Can you help me? Yeah. That's a big deal for a grown man to go and go to, you know, go to his partner and say, can you help me? Because I don't know how. Sure. Absolutely. You know, and, and then another thing to consider here with this, right, is that how long have these been behaviors been going on for, right? This particular subscriber, and again, not everything is going to relate to the question that the subscriber asked. So we apologize to you who, who you know, who wrote into us because we know that a lot of what we're talking about may not be some of it's more relevant than others. But just as a general message to everybody, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, he hired a prostitute for himself recently while on, on business. And it's come out, you know, he's been visiting massage parlors with regularity, mm. right? When if when it comes to this question of addiction versus not, what does that exactly mean, right? Is that a is that a new onset of behaviors, for example, right? And this is where we get into some of the the mental health conditions uh, that that go on. I think of a client I worked with years and years ago, who um, I was actually working with his wife, not with him primarily. When when we initially started working together. On the surface, what she was describing about her husband's behavior and how long this has been going on for sounded like very classic. This is a strong pattern that clearly demonstrates, you know, addiction being present. As we started to look at it more nuanced, though, and we started to and it took some time because, again, I'm just working with her. It came it came to the light that he actually had he struggled with a very severe case of bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And he was not always honest with her, but when he was on, generally speaking, as we started to look at the pattern closer, what looked like just addiction was that he truly was kind of a manifestation of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. When he was taking his medications regularly and working with a mental health professional, you know, on a regular basis to keep those adjusted and regulated, he was a very high functioning individual, made lots of money, held down a great job, held a, down a leadership position in his company. But when he would stop taking his medication or start missing it because of his sensitivity to it, it would not take many doses being missed before he would start engaging in all sorts of destructive behavior, sexually sexually compulsive behavior, just being one subset of that, right? And when we started to look at it for more of what it was, was it problematic? Of course. Was it damaging? Of course. Was it hurting the relationship? Absolutely. But simply labeling that as addiction and treating it that way was the wrong way to go about it. And when we started to work on the relationship from a being transparent about medication, you know, setting up a system where where they're building trust around that and she's watching him take it every day. Like there was this whole thing that we ended up working on and we ended up we ended up addressing I would say 75% of the issue just by that one thing. Were there other issues and behaviors to work on absolutely, but that was the primary result. Yeah, yeah. Right? That was the primary primary situation. Yeah, I had a client years ago who was kind of classic on this as well. 
he was uh, he was heavily into pornography, uh, accumulating huge amounts of it. You know, trading secret files in the dark, you know, the dark web, mm, and got yeah. into some legal trouble, and it actually ended up in court. He was in a, a very se- serious situation, and what came out through all of the you know all of the research and and preparing you know to help him through the court situation was he had severe obsessive compulsive disorder. And the accumulation of the pornography was very much about getting a hold of stuff, putting it into separate files, segmenting it, accumulating humongous amounts of it, right? The more of it there was, the more files there were, the more that they were, you know, separated and labeled that was feeding his obsessive compulsive disorder. And it wasn't until we really started to look at that specifically that he began to make some really solid progress. Now, did he have addiction? Yes, addiction was part of it, but this OCD was the bigger part. Mm, Yeah. You know, and I know from my situation, I come from a family that suffers from severe mental illness. And I like to say that I inherited the grab bag of all of it. Mm. And so, you know, clinical depression, anxiety, I had Tourette's syndrome that I suffered from severely as a teenager and young adult, some bipolar stuff, OCD. I probably had six or seven you know, disorders, all of those were huge contributors to my porn and sexual addiction. And it wasn't until I started, you know, relying on professionals to help me to include those things in this approach that I really started to make some solid progress with sobriety and, you know, moving forward in recovery. Yeah. No, you make a great point. And even that self-awareness for the addict, right? Um, even that element, right? When it your, comes to your sound just changed, Steve. When it comes to ident, you know, self-identify. There it goes. You're back. Did it? Yeah. Now you're back. back. Sorry back. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Technical difficulties live on the podcast. Um, <laughs> when you know, when I I look back on on my addiction, you know, I initially before I even understood what addiction was, I had a high moralistic kind of approach to highly moralistic approach to this. You know, the right and wrong, and this kind of the sin model and. And mm-hmm. the reality was, is, you know, growing up and this, I'm sure is the case for many addicts. I did not fully understand the reasons why I engaged in the stuff that I did. I think I kind of, I, I made some basic correlations and it's not minimizing the fact that I was stuck in addiction as long as I was. And I'm not blaming that on any, in anything or anyone. There was a real lack of knowledge base back when I was going through that back in the day. But if I had understood the true causes of my addiction at an earlier age, I probably would have gotten a handle on it much earlier on. It was absolutely addictive behavior, but I had no clue how much it was related to issues surrounding, like, for example, me and God around the loss of a parent and other things that had happened, you know, in, yes. in my childhood. I knew that they were kind of tied some somehow, but nobody, even when I'd gone to therapy a couple of, tried therapy a couple of times, nobody had told me that. Nobody had really made that connection or that link for me in a really clear way. And so understanding these things and looking at this isn't just helpful for a, for a spouse. This is incredibly, can be incredibly healing and empowering for an addict. Because well, and, that was, and that was the case for me. I, you know, I, for example, had a lot of childhood trauma and abuse. I had no idea that that was attached to my addiction tendencies to self-soothe and medicate. Yes. I was convinced because of my religious upbringing that it was just strictly a matter of a lack of 
like moral, moral character, moral integrity or, or character, lack of self-discipline. Yeah. I was convinced that uh, I didn't have enough willpower that I was just weak. I was just weak and flawed and just kind of a lost cause. Mm-hmm. And I never yeah. was able to attach any of this stuff to it until I started to get some really good, qualified, experienced professional people said, Mark, do you, have you looked at your history? Do you know what's attached to all this? Yeah. I never knew that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things tied to this. And so we've kind of been talking about this already, but you know, we talk about, we won't, we'll just glance over this only because we talk about it on here on the podcast all the time, but you know, examining one's trauma history, right. And understanding what, how those traumas have impacted a person huge an uh, addict again doesn't reduce accountability but it does add tremendous context to ge- context again for the relationship and helps in the healing from that side but it tremendously empowering any anything that we can dig out for you know in terms of understanding the roots of this on the addict side greatly amplifies this whole process of getting better quicker you know and being stuck in this place individually and as a couple for less less time well, and, then, um, and I'll tell you, Steve, the big thing for me was because I didn't understand all these connections, in too many ways, I was working on the wrong things. Yep. Absolutely. And I would keep working on my willpower. I would keep working in my repentance process. I would keep working on all these things. And then when I would fail because the core issues weren't being addressed, I'd become horribly discouraged and horribly hopeless. And so I I didn't know what to work on because there was too much focus on the symptoms and not enough focus on the, the truly deep core issues. So yeah. that's why that's why um, identifying these can help you to begin working on the right things for so sure. that you can begin to have success and make progress. And that matters for the addict and for the spouse. So yeah. they can both come together and go, oh, that's this is what this is about. Now we know where to put our focus. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, guys. Well, there's there's so much more to say on this topic. And we do oftentimes say more on topics like this. Again, <laughs> we would love to have you come join us over at, at uh, Dare to Connect. We've got some great things that we're rolling out in the next couple of months as we evolve the program and include more and more features. We'll be letting you all know about those as we uh, as we do. Uh, but some great stuff is happening over there. We would love to, again, get you a, a two-week trial. Give it a shot. Give it a try. Uh, we'd love to see you over there at, uh, at uh, daretoconnectnow.com. And as always, uh, we appreciate the submissions on the podcast. Please do send your questions, your concerns, all of those things that you would like to have addressed. We will do our very best to address them as in the limited time that we have here. Uh, you can send those at, over to us at our website, uh, pbsepodcast. Dot com. There's a contact form down at the bottom of the page. You can send those over to us. Yeah. Great to be with all of you. Um, and uh, we're all together in this. Our our hearts and our our prayers and our, our cheerleading goes out to you to keep on keeping on with all of this. And there is, there is just such great hope and uh, just so many good things that can come through all of this. Absolutely. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, have a great week and we will uh, we will talk to you next time. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.